Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. I have a great product for you for your menopausal symptoms, but first, let me tell you what is in it. It's all natural. The first ingredient is ammonium succinate, a form of ammonia. The third ingredient, monosodium glutamate, otherwise known as MSG. Does that sound like what you want to use? Welcome to another episode of Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you once again on Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. My rant will be on that topic. I'm also going to be ranting a little bit about the revolving door between government officials and big pharma companies such as Moderna, Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson & Johnson, and the rest. That's what we're going to rant about today. But last week on Vitality Radio, I talked about sports nutrition. I went into some of the most key elements that I believe are the most effective if you're looking to build more muscle and get more lean and toned and all the stuff that people are trying to do in the gym. And this time, as I mentioned last week, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up that conversation. So if you're interested in athletics, if you're interested in sports nutrition, if you're wondering what some of the things you may not have heard of that can be very effective for you might be, that's what I'm going to talk about this week. So the lesser known nutrients that you can use, well, nutrients and supplements, because not all of them are nutrients, that you can use to enhance your physical performance. I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I think may be more important than anything I've talked about so far when it comes to sports nutrition, but things that very few athletes and sports, or uh, I should say, bodybuilding, weightlifting enthusiasts are using. So we'll get into that. That'll be the bulk of the show. Vitality Radio, of course, is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. If you have any questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio, call me, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Now, I'm going to give you a quick reminder a couple of times during the show that the Your Health Freedom Symposium is taking place September 11th. There are still tickets available. It is already outsold last year by, I think, close to 100 seats and continues to sell well, but there's still tickets available and you need to be at this. If you're interested in health and nutrition, if you're interested in your freedom to choose what you do and do not put into your body... If those are things that are of interest to you, you should attend this event. I'll be speaking there along with 10 experts on a variety of different things, and we'll be talking about all the stuff you want to hear about. If you're interested in what I talk about on Vitality Radio, you're going to love this event. It's September 11th. It's an all-day affair. It's about 8 a.m. all the way up till 6.30 p.m. Lunch is included in your ticket price. The tickets are 49 bucks. and guess what? I'm giving away four of those tickets today on Vitality Radio. And we're going to do this a little bit differently since I'm recording this show in advance of Saturday and you're listening to it potentially live or as a podcast. 
I am not going to favor anybody that's hearing it right at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to give you the weekend to listen to this show and send us an email. It's info, I-N-F-O, at vitalitynutrition.net. That's info, I-N-F-O, at vitalitynutrition.net. Make sure it's .net and not .com. And all you've got to put in the header is tickets. That would indicate that we that you're interested in winning those tickets. I'll be giving two pair away. So if you win, you'll get two. And by Monday, you will have your yes or no, basically. We'll, we'll send a response out to everybody saying, uh, hey, thanks for entering, but you didn't win. Or you did win, and we're excited to see you on September 11th. So you've got until Monday morning early, basically, to send in that email. It's info at vitalitynutrition.net. This is September 11th of 2021. So if you're a year from now going back and listening to the archived uh, episodes of Vitality Radio and you're past September 11th of 2021, then sorry, uh, we're going to do another one next year, I'm sure. But uh, yes, please enter in info at vitalitynutrition.net is how you do it. Put tickets in the subject line. We'll enter you to win a pair of tickets to the Your Health Freedom Symposium. If you do not win, I strongly encourage you to uh, buy tickets at yourhealthfreedom.org. That's yourhealthfreedom.org anyway, because it is going to be an amazing event. And the $49 that you're spending to go is going to go to a great cause. These are people that are working with legislators on a regular basis to strengthen our health freedoms here in Utah and beyond. And it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event, full of learning. I guarantee it will be worth your time. Okay, without further ado, it is time for The Vital Rant. Full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. So at the top of the show, I said I've got this great product for you. I was at Costco the other day. Now Costco, uh, plus and minus at Costco, I guess like any of these big corporations, some of the stuff they sell I like, some of the stuff they sell I don't. I uh, didn't go there for a long time because they were mandating things that I wasn't willing to do. But I was in there the other day. I was shopping around, and as I usually do, I walked through the supplement section because, well, I sell supplements for a living, and part of what they sell is supplements too. And I'm always looking for you know stuff that I think is good stuff, stuff that I think that's crappy stuff, because I commonly get asked at Vitality Nutrition, hey, is this product I bought over at Costco any good? And I don't tell people that a product's not good just because I don't sell it. There are lots of good products on the market that I don't sell. And that's fine. If there's a good product and I feel like you're not getting gouged or ripped off or potentially taking something that's bad for you, 
I'm happy to tell you that. On the flip side, if there's something up there that I think isn't good for you, I'm more than happy to tell you that. If you've been listening to me for a long time, I've already told you that I think that the multivitamins like Centrum one a day are terrible, a huge waste of money and potentially actually harmful. Uh, I've talked to you about the different qualities of fish oil and things like that. But there's other stuff that they sell at Costco that's just fine. They have some good turmeric products and some good CoQ10 products and a few other things. But something that I've had a bunch of people ask me about, but I've never really actually investigated until now, is a product called Amberin. Now, Amberin is for menopausal symptoms. And the symptoms listed on the box that it claims to help with are many. 12 of them to be exact, hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, low energy, weight gain, stress, irritability, low sex drive, joint aches, sleeplessness, headaches, and difficulty concentrating. And it says relieves up to 12 menopause symptoms. So that's based on, if you look at the little asterisk, two scientific studies that were done that were identical, both done in Russia and with 125 women between the age of 42 and 65 years old. So a total of 250 women tested. It's not a huge group, but it's not tiny. So I don't mind a, a study like that. Uh, and there were two of them that were done, and they yielded very similar results. And as such, they've made these claims that they can help with this, these things. In fact, let's talk about the percentages. They say that 91% had hot flash relief, 78% had night sweats relief, 87% had better sleep, and 77% had more energy. Now, hot flash relief, you know, what does that mean? No hot flashes, less hot flashes, a little better, a lot better, hard to know for sure, uh, and better sleep, same thing, more energy, is that 1% more energy or 500% more energy? Hard to say, right? So let's dig into this because... I recently was accused of reading studies that have no merit because they haven't been published in major medical journals. And of course, there are some people that just think that anything not published in a medical journal, a major medical journal is, is hocus pocus. There are other people that think that things that are published in medical journals are often hocus pocus. <laughs> and the truth is probably somewhere in between. There's a lot of stuff that's been published in medical journals that has later been uh, pulled out of the journal with their apologies. Maybe we shouldn't have published this study because it was bogus. There are a lot of things that get published that are you know, weak studies and a lot of stuff that gets published that are strong studies. And then there are things that get published in not major medical journals that are still good, strong studies. What I try to do on Vitality Radio is give you the truth about the study itself. If it's a study that was done on rats, I tell you it was a study done on rats. If it was done on humans, I tell you it was done on that. If it was done on 10 humans as opposed to 1,000 humans, I'll tell you that. I really try hard not to uh, sugarcoat the study and make it sound better or worse than it actually is. But there's some things with studies that are tricky for sure. And in the scientific world, as I've been digging into Ambrin, I've actually learned some things that I didn't quite understand as well as I do now. One of the problems with science and scientific literature is that if you're not a scientist, some of it's pretty hard to grasp. And I'm not a scientist. I thankfully have a lot of years of reading these things. So I've learned a lot over the years, and I would say that I may be able to read some of these better than some people and probably not nearly as well as others, but there has been something that's been on my mind for a long time, and it's called statistical significance. 
Now, what does that actually mean? Basically, the the basic number on that is 0.05. It's called a p-value of 0.05. And that means that it's 95% likely that it's not a placebo effect. 95% likely that whatever effect happened when they took the drug or the natural product or whatever it was, it was not a placebo effect. That means that there's still a 5% chance that it was a placebo effect. But what it means really is that whatever they took, and in this case, Ambrin versus the placebo worked better than the placebo. But the truth of the matter is the how much better is really what matters. That's where the rubber hits the road. Well, I had concerns about Ambrin for two reasons, three reasons really, but two in particular. And the first two are just the ingredients themselves. Calcium disuccinate, fine. Glycine, fine. Magnesium disuccinate, fine. Zinc difumerate, fine. But the two main ingredients other than those are ammonium succinate, which I've never seen as a supplement anywhere. And I can't find any information online, no matter how hard I Googled it. I couldn't find ammonium succinate in a single product other than Ambrin. And I couldn't find a single study that was done on ammonium succinate other than Ambrin. And I couldn't find any data on whether or not ammonium succinate is safe or not. It's a form of ammonia, which of course can potentially be toxic at high doses. So I don't know what it does at a lower dose in a supplement. And and I'm not going to pretend to say that I do know. I just simply don't know. MSG. You've heard of MSG. You've seen it in Chinese restaurants, MSG-free. It's an interesting thing. It's a very controversial thing. It's monosodium glutamate. It's salt, sodium, attached to glutamate, which is an amino acid. And independent of each other, glutamate and sodium are both required elements in the human body. But as things are when they're bonded together, sometimes they're better and sometimes they're worse. There's a lot, a ton of anecdotal evidence that monosodium glutamate causes headaches, fatigue, might be a neurotoxin, and so on. But truth be told, the studies don't necessarily bear that out. That being said, most of the studies were funded by people who had a vested interest in monosodium glutamate. So it's pretty tough to know how dangerous it might be, or if it's dangerous at all long-term, but we do know that there is actually very good evidence that it is at least mildly neurotoxic, and in some people who have a high sensitivity can create a lot of problems, headaches, migraines, and things like that. That being said, most people take MSG. They don't feel it one way or the other. But what the heck is it as a supplement? And the question is exactly has the same answer as ammonium succinate did. I have no idea. I've never seen MSG as a supplement before, and I couldn't find anything online saying that it ought to be a supplement, that there was any benefit of taking it as a supplement. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it at all. So two ingredients in there that I'm like, what the? But I'm cool with new ingredients I love when new stuff comes out. There's lots of stuff that I'd never heard of before that I recommend highly now. I'm going to talk about one of those things later in this show called L-theanine. When it was discovered and started getting into supplements and they started researching it, it was phenomenal. So there are things like this that I just haven't seen 
doesn't mean they're not good. But these ones gave me major pause, okay? So what I did is I started digging in. And as I said, I found nothing, nothing other than the Amberin website and other websites reviewing Amberin that told me anything about those two ingredients, why they worked, how they worked, if they worked, if they were safe, nothing. So then I dug into the studies themselves to try and figure out what is it that allows them to make these claims on the box. And the claims are 91% had hot flash relief, 78% had night sweats relief, 87% had better sleep, and 77% had more energy. They also say that it's a unique formula because it treats up to 12 symptoms, that it helps restore hormonal balance, and that it's 100% free of estrogen and soy. Now, I'm all for that because I don't love the estrogen uh, mimicking or phytoestrogen products for menopause unless it's the only thing that gives people relief. I prefer to stay away from soy and things like that as menopause formulas. So I'm okay with that. Interestingly, this they did say it took 30 days to start to work. They used it for 90 days during the cl clinical trials. So here's the problem. In the studies and even in a meta-analysis of the two studies that were done, both studies funded by the company, by their own researchers. In the studies, all I could find, no matter how hard I dug, was that they had a p-value of at least 0.5 or 0.5. Remember, that means that it was better than placebo. A study that has nothing to hide in my opinion, tells you exactly what the difference was. Was there a 50% reduction in hot flashes? Was there a 5% reduction? Was there a 2% reduction? Was there a 100% reduction? What actually happened with these women in these studies? And we have no idea. I think it's a carefully guarded secret. I can't find it anywhere. We also don't know if ammonium succinate is safe long-term, and we don't know if MSG as a supplement makes any sense at all or how safe it is for that matter. So when they say 91% had hot flash relief and 78% had night sweats relief, that could literally be a tiny little minuscule bit of relief. It could be substantial. I don't know. That's the problem. Why not tell us? If you're going to fund these studies, you're going to do two of them and you're going to publish them, but you're going to hide all that to me, it means there is something to hide. So the question is, should you try Amberin if you're really dealing with these things? As far as I'm concerned, 100% up to you. Go for it if you'd like to give it a shot. It's 90 days. They say it'll work if it's going to work. And these numbers that they say it worked for are pretty high. The question is, how well does it work? And frankly, we have no idea. But I will tell you that you've maybe heard me talk about something called xenoestrogens. These are the foreign estrogens that we get from our environment. The first thing, in my opinion, that anyone should do that's dealing with menopausal symptoms is they ought to get rid of those and detoxifying the liver and breaking down those xenoestrogens with things like DIM, calcium deglucurate, indole-3-carbinol, uh, or formulas that are designed for that, my favorite one being called EstroSense. These are the things that I've seen the very best results with. And what I love about it is that these are the things that have good clinical studies where we know what the results are and we know how and why they work and we know that they're safe. 
So before you buy just any supplement, and that's at Vitality Nutrition, Costco, Walmart, or any other health store or store that sells healthy products out there, make sure that you're not being swayed by just these claims that say 91% had hot flash relief because I don't even know what that means. Okay, I'm going to cut to a quick break. When I come back, we're going to have another little bonus rant. We're going to talk about a guy named Scott Gottlieb. You ever heard of him? Scott Gottlieb is a former head of FDA, and I'm going to talk about why that matters. And then we're also going to talk about a guy who (laughs) you probably haven't heard of either, but he's an important one. His name is Dr., and I'm going to hopefully not butcher this name here, but Dr. Monsef Slui, Slaoui. And we're going to talk about him, why he matters, and Scott Gottlieb and why he matters, and how those two guys, along with many, many others, shine a pretty heavy light on conflict of interest when it comes to pharma and government. That's what we'll be talking about when we come back. And then right after that, that'll be pretty brief. We're going to dig right into sports nutrition. We're going to talk about some of the most important elements for your body as a whole, but that if you're that are specifically useful if you're an athlete. We'll do all that when we come back. Vitality Radio always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful. If you have questions, call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair. I'm your host each and every week on this show, the Vitality Radio Show here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the Vitality Radio Podcast, wherever you are. Vitality Radio can be found. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast. If it's got a cast in it and it's an app that plays these types of shows, I'm probably there. So look me up, subscribe, follow, whatever they ask you to do. If you like the idea of listening to the show on a regular basis, it definitely is easier than trying to tune in at one time 
on a given week. Okay, so Scott Gottlieb, I talked a little bit about him before the break. We're going to dig right into that. Uh, why do I personally, I've, I've been asked this many times, have so many reservations about government and pharma? Aren't they out to serve us? I'm leaving that long pause because uh, <laughs> do you really believe that? Do you believe that government has your best interests at heart? Do you believe that pharma has your best interests at heart? If you do, you disagree with me. And that's okay because I don't have a problem with people disagreeing with me. But let me tell you why I pause when I think about that question. There's a guy named Scott Gottlieb. He was the head of FDA from 2017 to 2019. Prior to that, he was an MD a venture capitalist who specifically invested in medical products and technologies, and he spent time on boards of major pharmaceutical companies. And then all of a sudden, he was the head of the FDA, the guy that regulates the pharmaceutical companies, products, and medical products like that. After he left in 2019, he joined the board at Pfizer. Now, Pfizer pays a minimum, at least as of 2018, of $335,000 in cash and stocks to their board members every year. So it's a good job. I'd be interested, especially since it's part-time. He's just on the board of directors. He's not working full-time there. He's making $335,000 at least, maybe more. Awesome. Good for you, Scott. The question is, is there a conflict, conflict of interest? Is it conflicting to work for a company that you just regulated or work for as a regulator of companies you just worked for? And the answer to me is a pretty obvious one. But back when Gottlieb left the FDA, uh, Senator Warren uh, sent a letter to him saying, you need to resign from the board of giant Pfizer. And I love this because it's Senator Elizabeth Warren. And she says, um, she's, of course, at the time was a Democratic presidential uh, candidate, a hopeful, uh, you know, running against Biden and, and all those folks. And she argued that this kind of revolving door influence peddling smacks of corruption and makes the American people rightfully cynical and distrustful about whether high-level Trump administration officials are working for them or for the future, for their future corporate employers. Now, of course, she would say high-level Trump administration, right? Because it's always political with these people. Well, this is a Trump problem. Well, okay, sure. Probably was a Trump problem, but it was an Obama problem, and it was a Bush problem, and it was a Clinton problem, and it was a Bush problem, and it was a Reagan problem, and it went goes all the way back. This has been a problem through every presidency in my lifetime and beyond, and I'm telling you right now that when they politicize it and make it sound like it's only a Republican thing or only a Trump thing or only a Democrat thing, it's a bunch of bull. It's an all-the-time thing. The revolving door between the National Institutes of Health and the FDA and pharmaceutical companies is constant and chronic, and it is a real problem because who knows, right? I mean, who knows who the, these people are actually working for? Gottlieb could be a really integrous guy. He could be full of integrity. He could have done his job exactly the best as, as he knew how, no matter who was going to hire him right after he left. Or he could have had a backdoor deal with Pfizer saying, hey, I'll do this stuff for you while I'm in here as long as you promise me a cush job on your board of directors when I leave. I don't know. It could have been one. It could have been the other. But it ought not to even be a question. If you are a quote unquote public servant, 
especially if you weren't elected, you were appointed, then you should have no conflicts of interest or at least as few as humanly possible. So I don't care if it was Elizabeth Warren calling this out. She wouldn't have called it out under the Biden administration. She would only call it out under the Trump administration. But it's happening with Biden, too. So that's Scott Gottlieb. Is he on our team or is he not? I don't know. But conflict of interest, obvious. How about this Monsef Slui? Slaoui, Slaoui. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's S-L-A-O-U-I. A former pharmaceutical executive, former pharmaceutical executive, interesting, is now overseeing the U.S. initiative to develop coronavirus treatments and vaccines. This was, by the way, in 2020 that this article was written. And his financial interests and corporate roles have come under scrutiny. Now, this was in the New York Times in 2020. In other words, under the Trump administration, who the New York Times hated. Uh, you're not reading about any of this in the New York Times now that there's a different administration in office and now that almost everything that has anything to do with potential uh, conflict of the narrative coming out is uh, questioned at all. It's all just censored. But let's just hear about the scientist Monsef Slaoui. He's a venture capitalist. I think that's interesting too. Both these guys are quote unquote scientists who are also venture capitalists. I don't know if that matters. I'm a capitalist. I'm okay with making money, but they're venturing in pharmaceuticals. And when you are investing in things and then you are regulating things, <sighs> seems like a problem. I should say the same things. So he was a former longtime executive at GlaxoSmithKline. Most recently, he sat on the board of Moderna. Well, back in 2020, we hadn't heard of Moderna before. At least most people hadn't. But of course, Moderna is one of the big three uh, vaccine manufacturers for COVID-19. Moderna stock is just one piece of his pharmaceutical portfolio. And the rest of it, we don't know. Now, why is it that we don't know the rest? Shouldn't this stuff be up for grabs? Uh, for I shouldn't say up for grabs, but up for public viewing. Shouldn't we have you know that Freedom of Information Act thing? Shouldn't we have all that? Public scrutiny is the right word. Well, he agreed to accept the position on Operation Warp Speed. And instead of becoming a government employee, he took a contract where he received $1 for his services. That leaves him exempt from federal disclosure rules that would require him to list his outside positions, stock holdings, and other potential conflicts. And the contract position is not subject to the same conflict of interest laws and regulations that executive branch employees must follow. According to Virginia Cantor, who is uh, chief ethics counsel for Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, she said, this is basically absurd. It allows for no public scrutiny of his conflicts of interest. Now, I picked those two guys almost at random, honestly, I just needed to point out again, because people keep asking me, why this distrust? Why don't I believe that government really has my best interest at heart? Why do I not believe that pharmaceutical com companies have my best interest at heart? Well, there it is, because there's way too much money involved in all of this to just safely assume these people are working for us. Don't you agree? Maybe you don't. I got a lot of people that don't agree with me. A lot more, 
a lot more in the last year and a half than I ever had before, and that's okay. But there's the conflict of interest for you. And now it's on to sports nutrition part two. All right, so I get a lot of questions about some of the more peripheral things in sports nutrition, things like caffeine. Is it really helpful? Uh, things like alpha GPC. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. But there are also things people never talk about with sports nutrition. Magnesium, omega-3, turmeric, CBD. How do all those things impact you athletically? Can they help your performance or not? I'm going to talk about those things. I'm also going to do a quick rundown of pre-workout, post-workout, and what are called intra-workout supplements, the things you take while you're working out. You're sipping on those while you're at the gym, that kind of thing. And I'm going to do as much of that as I can in the next 25 minutes. So let's start with caffeine. Caffeine, according to recent uh, studies and surveys, 90% of American adults use caffeine every single day. I can guarantee you that 90% of American adults are not exercising every single day. So the question is, what are they using it for? Well, you know, because you're probably one of them. Most of us are, and that's okay. They're using it in coffee. They're using it in energy drinks. They're using it in tea. They're using it in Diet Coke and Pepsi and all the things, right? Some people even take it in pill form, and certainly in sports nutrition, it's often used as a supplement in capsule form, but more likely in a pre-workout type supplement. So the question is, does it help? Well, interestingly, it seems to most people that caffeine is just about waking up, getting your eyes open, feeling energized so that you have the oomph to work out. But does it actually improve your workout statistics? And the truth of the matter is, yeah, it does. So caffeine is a two-edged sword. It, it's great in so many ways. I use it myself. I'm not one that tells people they should never take caffeine. But it needs to be used wisely because the more you use, the more you need. Your body does build up a tolerance to it, absolutely for sure. Some more than others. It depends on you. I've got a good friend who's been using the same amount of caffeine his whole life, and it still works great for him. And if he takes it too late in the day, it still keeps him up. I've had other people tell me I can drink a soda or a cup of coffee right before bed and I sleep like a baby. So it's different for everybody. But you do have to be cautious in terms of how you take it and how much you take. And what I recommend, and I think this is pretty simple, sound advice that everybody would be wise to follow, because caffeine is a stimulant and a central nervous system stimulant specifically, why not just be a little more cautious with it? Don't take it every single day. Don't be part of the 90%. Take it most days if you'd like, five, six days a week even, but give your body a little break periodically. And if you're really brave, give your body a long break every once in a while, maybe a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. I don't think anybody needs caffeine every day. I don't think that's a thing. It's certainly not a, uh, in, a nutrient that our body requires, but you may feel like you need caffeine every day, and that has to do with addiction, right? So we do need to be cautious with it. In my view, based on the research and what I've seen and what I've experienced, caffeine above 300 milligrams in a single dose is probably a bad idea pretty much every time, and I think 300 milligrams is way too much for most people. That means that you are much better off with more of what a standard dose of caffeine would be, like what's in a cup of coffee. A strong brewed cup of coffee is like between 100 and 150 milligrams of caffeine, and that's probably a better dose for the vast majority of people. But 300 milligrams for some people seems to do the trick. I'm going to read something that blew my mind. 
Most specifically, according to studies, doses of 3 milligrams to 13 milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight have been shown to improve exercise performance. Uh, 3 milligrams of caffeine per kilo of body weight isn't a ton. That's kind of in that range I was talking about. But 13 milligrams is like 12, 1300 milligrams of caffeine for most people, which is holy smokes, way too much caffeine. So the big key with caffeine, if you're going to use it for exercise, take it about a half an hour before, give it a little bit of time to kick in, start low. If 100 milligrams works great for you, use 100 milligrams. You don't need 300 milligrams just because that's what's in the most common pre-workouts now. So take 100, 150, 200, try it out, experiment with it, and optimally use it just when you work out or just when you're taking a long drive or just when you're preparing a radio show, those types of things. Use it as needed. Don't make it a must-have every single day. Now, how do you counter some of that with caffeine? There's something I mentioned earlier called L-theanine, and I love it. I use it almost every single day. I always use it before I prepare this show because what I've found is with my crazy brain that floats all over the place, a lot of ADD, ADHD type tendencies, that when I take caffeine with theanine, bam, that is the effective way to go. And there are some really good studies showing just that. It's theanine, I, I consider it yin to caffeine's yang. They're the yin-yang of energy, but also calm. L-theanine is great for muscle, or for performance in the gym, primarily because it helps with mental focus, but also it tends to make caffeine slow and easy as opposed to spike and crash. And so most people feel really steady energy, mental focus, and clarity while they're using theanine with caffeine in the gym. I always recommend using that combination. It is absolutely my favorite combination personally, and I'm not alone in that. Lots of people recommend it. Some of the best minds in the research on what are called nootropics, uh, the nootropics being brain nutrients that can help you uh, function better mentally, better memory, better, better mental performance, cognition, learning, that kind of thing. Most of them tout caffeine and theanine as an awesome one-two punch. So that's something you can use. Maybe you've heard of Alpha-GPC. Maybe you haven't. Alpha-GPC is popping up a lot in sports nutrition products, specifically pre-workouts. And Alpha-GPC is interesting because it's a choline compound. Choline is one of the most powerful brain uh, neurotransmitters. It plays a major role in all the stuff that has to do with cognition. It's awesome stuff. And oftentimes people can be a little deficient in choline. The question is, how does it impact athletics? And the answer is, we're not exactly sure. There's one apparently good study. It looks good in terms of how it was conducted. The results were very good. In fact, the increase in uh, max weight in uh, a bench press was 14% with 600 milligrams of alpha-GPC. That's significant. That's like really, really great. But it is one study. So there needs to be more research on that. I would recommend that if you're going to try alpha-GPC, that you give it a, a month. It doesn't take long. 
give it a month, see if it works, take the 600 milligrams, which is what was used in the study, and see how you perform with it versus without it. But not just in the gym, pay attention to what's going on with your brain. Are you finding that your memory is more clear, that your cognition is more clear, that your focus is better? These are all things that it can help with. In fact, the best research on alpha-GPC is not for athletes, it's actually for Alzheimer's patients, where they found that 1,200 milligrams, so twice what they recommend for athletes, 1,200 milligrams of alpha-GPC to be a very, very effective thing in slowing the decline, the cognitive decline that people have with dementia and Alzheimer's. And there is some evidence and belief that it may actually have some decline reversing benefits as well. So alpha-GPC, interesting stuff. You know, if you, if you listen to Vitality Radio and you hear me talk about what I do at Vitality Nutrition and helping people with all of this stuff... You also probably know that my brain is my primary concern because of what happened with my mother and my father uh, with a combination of Parkinson's and dementia. So yeah, I'm trying to take care of my brain in a big way. And alpha-GPC is now on my radar as something that I'll probably add in and see what it does along with the magnesium 3 and 8 that I currently use and the NeuroQ that I currently use, two of my very favorite brain supplements. The question, the biggest thing with alpha-GPC and the biggest thing with almost any nutrient or supplement in sports nutrition that you have to watch out for is dose. There doesn't seem to be an unsaved dose of alpha-GPC. In fact, they've studied it up to about 6,000 milligrams and, it, and you get a minor improvement the higher you go up to that level. This was, this was in animal studies in rats. And then at that point, it, it caps out. That's your max benefit but it doesn't seem to have any kind of toxicity at all. So in terms of safety and experimenting with it, it's safe. So the question is, how much do you actually need? And there is not a study that shows less than 300 milligrams being effective at all. And unfortunately, some of the most, the, some of the best-selling sports nutrition products out there, pre-workouts in particular, have like 50 milligrams or 100 milligrams. I've seen 150 milligrams, but very few have 300 milligrams or 600 milligrams or 1200 milligrams, which is where the rubber seems to really meet the road in terms of results. So make sure that just because it has a supplement in it that you're looking for, that you're not satisfied with that unless it has the right amount of that supplement. So 300 milligrams minimum, preferably, especially for athletic performance, based on what we have in the data, uh, 600 milligrams, and for cognitive decline, 1,200 milligrams of alpha-GPC. That's how that works. Now, this is my favorite, and it's my favorite. Well, it's uh, it's kind of tied, okay? But my two next favorite things that I'm going to talk about are things that most athletes know very little about overall, at least based on what I've seen and what I've experienced at Vitality Nutrition when I'm working with people in Bountiful talking about sports nutrition, People are asking about creatine, they're asking about glutamine, they're asking about branched-chain amino acids, they're asking about all these things, but they're not asking about magnesium, and they're not asking about omega-3, and these are big, really big, and I'm about to tell you why. But also a little reminder, last week I talked about all those other things, the branched-chain amino acids, the essential amino acids, I talked about creatine and beta-alanine and L-citrulline all of those things in detail on last week's episode, the sports nutrition episode. Uh, so go back to the podcast if you missed it and you're interested and listen there and you, I think you'll learn some good things. So magnesium, let's talk about it. Magnesium, 85 to 90% of us are clinically deficient in magnesium or sorry, sorry, subclinically deficient. That's a big designation, <laughs> meaning that basically on your blood test, 
your doc's going to say it's fine. Truth be told, they're not usually testing for magnesium anyway, so it won't even be on there anyway. But if they were looking at the more recent research, they would find that uh, you're low. The vast majority of Americans are, and it has a lot to do with what's called the magnesium burn rate. The magnesium burn rate is how much magnesium you use on a daily basis based on what's going on in your life. And stress is the primary driver of the magnesium burn rate. The more stress you're dealing with, the more magnesium you use, therefore, the more you need to replace. Magnesium is critical for over 180 different biological functions. It is a big player in tons of different areas of mental health, physical health, and so on and so forth. There was a study that was done that was a meta-analysis of 41 other studies where the doctor that did the study, the scientist that did the study, he wrote an amazing paper that went along with it, fascinating stuff, and it made perfect sense to me, and he's got massive evidence to support his findings. So I'm, I'm in on this in a big way. This is one of the studies that I think is, has been the best and most effective at helping me understand just how critical magnesium really is. But what did he say in that study? He said that he believes that the primary underlying cause of heart disease in America is magnesium deficiency, not cholesterol, not blood pressure, not any of the things that we always talk about, not plaque in the arteries, but magnesium deficiency. And the reason for that is because magnesium is critical to the ticking of the heart itself. It plays a major role in heart rhythm. It also is the most critical element in the human body to relax muscle tissue, ligaments, tendons, all that kind of stuff. The heart being a muscle, that makes sense. So let's talk about athletes. Let's talk about working out. How does magnesium help you? Well, do you cramp? Magnesium, almost always the solution. Do you get tight, stiff, sore muscles beyond just average, you know, post-workout recovery stuff? Magnesium, probably the issue. Remember, when I said stress is the primary driver of magnesium deficiency, you have to remember that exercise is very stressful to the body and, of course, to the muscles in general. So if you're exercising on a regular basis, even if you say, well, my life is pretty low stress, and when I exercise, I don't feel too much stress which a lot of people will say, the exercise itself is stressful and you have to always kind of keep that in mind. Not mentally stressful so much as physically stressful, but it's an important thing to keep in mind. So magnesium is a big deal. The two that I recommend pretty much universally are magnesium glyconate, or sorry, glycinate and magnesium threonate. Magnesium glycinate more for the physical stuff, the sore muscles, uh, the cramping, uh, sleep, a lot of people do really, really well with it for, with sleep and that kind of thing and general stress management. But magnesium 3 and 8 does cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, as does alpha-GPC, actually, that we talked about a, a bit before. And it deposits more magnesium into the cerebral spinal fluid. That's a big deal in mental cognition, learning that kind of thing. So if you're more concerned about what it can do for your brain, magnesium threonate. If you're more concerned about what it can do for your body, magnesium glycinate, or some people are using a little bit of both, but magnesium is a big player. And if you're an athlete, you're working out and you haven't tried magnesium for those things, add it in. It's something you require. It's something you're likely deficient in and see how it helps. I think you might be surprised. How about omega-3? 
Everybody has heard of omega-3. Most people know that the primary source of it is fish oil. You may have also heard of it from chia seeds, hemp, hearts, flaxseed, that kind of thing. Regardless of your source, omega-3 is a critical element for your health. It's massive. It is the most important nutrient for what's called the inflammation response or the inflammatory cascade. And that is critical because 85% of disease is inflammatory in nature here in America. So omega-3 is a big deal, and it's another one that the vast majority of us are deficient in. So how does it play a role in athletes? Well, it's some of the same stuff I talked about with magnesium. Because it's so critical to everything, it can play a role in a variety of things. But it's very, very critical to brain health. It's very, very critical to cardiovascular wellness. And it's awesome for inflammatory response. And one thing that is happening when we're working out is we are inflaming our tissues. We are inflaming our tissues, our ligaments, our tendons, our muscles themselves, and omega-3 plays a major role in quenching that fire, so to speak, so it can assist in muscle recovery, and it can do all the other things that I talked about. So omega-3, pretty much a no-brainer for athletes, but it's part of my Vital 5 along with magnesium. Everybody, I believe, will benefit from taking it on a daily basis. Another thing for, a couple other things for inflammation that I want to discuss really quickly, turmeric and CBD. Now, these are not interchangeable. They do different things, but they're both powerful anti-inflammatories from plant sources. And I believe things that if you're really struggling with muscle recovery, if you have a lot of burn when you're uh, recovering and a lot of tightness and stiffness, you've tried magnesium and omega-3, maybe they're helping, but they're not helping enough. Or if you've got joint pain, especially joint pain when you're working out, your knees are hurting, your hips, your shoulders, elbows, wrists, ankles, whatever it is, turmeric and CBD can be your best friends. They can be fantastic. I typically recommend them actually uh, experiment, sorry, recommend experimenting with them pre-workout and or post-workout, but also potentially before bed. Uh, those times when your body is recovering, uh, having that inflammation, anti-inflammatory response that you get from turmeric or CBD or both is very, very good. Which one you need? I don't know. Unfortunately, they're both great. They can be used together. I, like I said, they're not really interchangeable per se, but you just have to basically experiment and see how your body responds. That's what I always recommend with those two. Okay, so in the last six minutes or so that I have, I want to talk about the basics of pre-workout, post-workout, and intra-workouts. Now, at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, where I spend most of my days. Uh, we've been there for 44 years helping people with all of this stuff. And about 20, you know, I'm going to say 20, 22 years ago, 24 years ago, maybe somewhere in there, we got very, very heavily involved in sports nutrition. We sell a lot of sports nutrition products, pre-workouts, post-workouts, and all that kind of stuff at Vitality Nutrition. In fact, we've developed some. We have some protein powders that are our own. We have a pre-workout that people love uh, that is our supplement called Insurgents. There are some really, really cool things in sports nutrition, but it's one of the most confusing markets, I think, in nutrition generally because there's so much marketing hype behind it. So if you have questions about anything that I'm talking about, give us a call at Vitality Nutrition and we'll try and help you understand the smoke you know, what's smoke and what's actual truth when it comes to these crazy marketing uh, things that are happening with sports nutrition. Call us at 801-292-6662. That's 
6662. But let's talk about it. Pre-workout, post-workout, intra-workout. First off, pre-workouts in terms of what you can feel and how you perform in the gym, there's probably nothing more instantly noticeable than a pre-workout. The better muscle pump, the better overall muscle strength and endurance, the longer you can go before your muscles fatigue or fail on you, all of that stuff matters and pre-workouts can be very useful. The biggest advice I can give you on pre-workouts is don't be fooled by the ones that are mostly stimulant and don't actually have anything to help your muscles uh, very effectively. Many of them will make you feel lit up energized, all the stuff, but they don't necessarily do anything for your muscles. So if you have questions about that, please refer to the last show uh, that I did, well, two podcasts ago, uh, the sports nutrition show that I did, and give that a listen because it's really, really important to understand what you're looking for in your pre-workout. The big ones, citrulline, beta-alanine, Creatine, I prefer to have in pre-workouts, but you can also get it outside of pre-workouts, and that's fine as well. Uh, B10 anhydrous, and then if you want something stimulant, stimulating, caffeine, and optimally caffeine with theanine, but you certainly don't need caffeine in your pre-workout uh, necessarily. Post-workouts, this is a big deal. Depends on your diet. I don't think everybody needs a post-workout supplement, but most people have a tough time getting enough protein in their diet if they're working out really hard and taking protein right after a workout as well as key carbohydrates to get your glycogen stores back up in your muscle tissue. That's important stuff. So I do recommend uh, a post-workout that you at least give it a shot and see how it works. Now, this is the caveat to that. I don't think most post-workouts are worth much, but there is one by a company that I love called Aftershock uh, made by Myogenics that we routinely get awesome feedback on. So if you want to try a post-workout, that's the one that I would recommend. And then intra-workout. What the heck is that? It's a supplement that you sip on during your workout. Many people have been using things like Gatorade, Powerade. If you've listened to me before, you'll know I don't love those at all. And frankly, they're hydrating to some degree, but they're not even great to prevent dehydration, and they don't really do anything for your muscles per se, but intra-workouts can be really good. Uh, there's a product called Intra-Blast that I love. I look for things that have the essential amino acids in them, uh, a lot of glutamine, a lot of branched-chain amino acids, but all the essential amino acids, I think that's what you want to try as an intra-workout. And what I always tell people, because I hear this all the time, well, do I need this? I say, no, you don't need this. Can it help you? Very likely it can but the only way to know is to give it a try. So try it for a month or two. See what an intra workout can do for you. See how you like it. If you have questions about what is in them, how they work, what you need, all that stuff, that's why we're there at Vitality Nutrition. And if you aren't near Bountiful, that's okay. We do this over the phone all the time. Give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. And we will help you. If you're really interested in sports nutrition specifically, the two at uh, on our team that are the most uh, well-versed in it would be Bridger, uh, my oldest son, uh, and myself. So ask for Bridger or Jared when you call and be more than happy to help you out, or we'd love to have you come in person. We also offer a lot of free samples of our sports nutrition products, so you can test them out and see if you like them, uh, see how they taste, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I've got to wrap it up. I'm going to give you a reminder the Your Health Freedom Symposium is September 11th. That's next Saturday, September 11th, 2021. It's going to be in Layton, Utah. It's 49 bucks to attend, and that includes lunch. 
and 11 speakers, including myself. I'll be there answering questions and talking in more detail about uh, nutrient deficiencies and why they matter. But there's going to be some awesome speakers there besides me, and I would love to meet you there and see you there. It is an amazing event put on by amazing people for an amazing cause, and that is Your Health Freedom. Yourhealthfreedom.org is where you get tickets. If you want to email us before Monday morning, before Monday morning, that's the 6th of September. So ideally today, Saturday the 4th or Sunday the 5th, send us an email, info at vitalitynutrition.net. That's info at vitalitynutrition.net. And we will enter you to win two free tickets to, I'm giving away four, but uh, we're giving away in, in pairs, two free tickets to the Your Health Freedom Symposium in Layton on the 11th of September. Thank you so much for listening to me. It's been a pleasure bringing you this show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody, share this podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast. All that stuff helps. I greatly appreciate your ears and uh, your mouth telling people about this show. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.